everybody. This is Giselle with Where's My Compass podcast. And today I have one of my favorite people. Sorry, Amelie comes first. One of my favorite people in the whole world. <laughs> my sister, Alex. Say hello. Hello. Uh, oh, what ruthless. Wow. <laughs> so you're just going to stay here now? That was the plan, right? And you're dropping off, leaving her here. She's dropping out of school, yeah. moving to Portland, 10 years old. <laughs> By the way, we are not at home. I am recording this on my daughter's computer, so it might sound different. Um, we took a trip to Portland, Oregon oh. for my birthday. You might want to, like, hold it so because um, the speakers are on the bottom. Sometimes it gets a little muffled. Mm. Oh, this the microphone, I think, is right here. And the camera's right here. Yeah. So I the know. microphone's going to be over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Speakers are different than microphones. Okay, yeah. 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 Those are yeah. two different things. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, what are, if you want to share, what's your um, star sign and your moon sign and your rising sign? I'm a Leo sun, a Scorpio moon, and a Scorpio rising it's a very complicated combination of fire and water. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> very, yeah, yeah. Mixed bag. Well, it's good because then you know I'm friends with all of the uh, conflicting signs. It works out really well. Leo and Aquarius is a. I guess that's a good example, not a bad example, but like me and my mom, Leo and Cancer. Mm. The water kind of helps. Is Lily a Cancer? Lily's Gemini. Oh, okay. I'm surrounded by air signs. <laughs> to fuel your fire. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Um, I know that you've said in the past that you don't, that you resonate differently, not just with your sun sign. I don't think anybody does. I think in like Western astrology, we're just like, what's your sun sign? And like kind of ignore a lot of the other aspects of a chart. I mm-hmm. think I've heard it described that your moon sign's like more of a true reflection of your personality because it's who you are when you're alone. Mm-hmm. And then there's some schools of thought that say that your rising sign is kind of more exemplary of like who you are and how your outward projection is. Um, and I feel like your sun sign's kind of just like your style almost. <laughs> it's like the pizzazz on top of like, the, the true things. internal workings of a person. Yeah. I can see that. I always thought, I always feel like the rising sign is like the mask. Mm-hmm. So you don't always, you only portray this part of your personality when you're around other people. Yeah. What's your, what's your rising sign? Gemini. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Extra complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is, uh, mine, you know, mine's also Scorpio. So it's always funny when people meet me and then they get to know me and they're like, I thought you were such an asshole when I first met you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like that has something to do with it. Hard-headed. A little bit. Um, hi. You can't just stand there over me and not, and tell me to not say anything. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm listening to you guys. That's true. You need to do some schoolwork. It's nice out. So do schoolwork. Don't prolong. 
And then we can go hiking. Yeah. It's taking, and then we can go shopping. It's taking three days to get this podcast going. Follow your phone. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's putting two ADHD people together with time management. And no clear expectation of what we want to accomplish. Because if we had, like, here's a list, like, I can manage the list. But since it's kind of all very vague, I'm kind of like, okay, I'll defer it to you. And then we're just bouncing off the walls pretending like we know what we're doing as 34-year-old adult women. Yeah, eating dinner way too late. It's vacation. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) We're eating dinner when I'm usually asleep since I work at four in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's really messed up. I'm still waking up at a normal time though. Just everything else is like not. It is a total trip compared to like when I come to see you guys or like in the past when I was work from home, quote unquote, basically unemployed. Um, (laughs) uh, And I just would, you know, I had no defined sleep or wake schedule. And then you'd be up and already started your day when I'd roll out of bed. And now I'm like, I'm up and doing dishes yeah. and you guys are getting out of bed. And, I don't know. It feels like a uh, like an adult glow up on my end a little bit. A little roll reversal. Mm. Yeah. It is nice though. I did because I was when I was texting my husband this morning and I was like, I woke up at I actually woke up at six thirty. I woke up at six, yeah. I just laid in bed for a little bit longer because it was really nice and comfy. <laughs> Thank you. And then it worked out. <laughs> Um, but it's 5.30 at home, which is the normal time that I would wake up. But he's just like, why would you wake up so early? And he's like, I think it's like, because I know that you're awake. So you're like, oh, I got to go talk to her because she's here and we're awake at the same time. Well, it's just like, I have more incentive to get up. Like at home, like on the weekends, I don't have any incentive to get up. I had that for a long time in a relationship I was in where I was like, he'd wake up early and I was like well I'm gonna stay in bed so I have like more time away from you and I realized like that was a you want to be excited to get out of bed and not like excited to go to sleep and stay asleep because you are like depressed (laughs) creating boundaries between (laughs) other you know the other people in your house for a second I want to see you so I'm gonna stay in bed (laughs) yeah that's what was true for me and then I got rid of that person and it's been a getting better ever since so yeah Um, yeah, I don't, I think the animals are the only thing that get me out of bed on the weekend. It is helpful to have dogs. Cats are notorious for keeping you in the bed longer because they're tiny little space heaters. Yeah. 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 Both of mine. <laughs> they just come on top. As soon as my alarm goes off, it's like one on top of my chest and one in my armpit. Mm. And I'm like, I love it so much. <laughs> It's pretty nice. <laughs> Margaret is that. Louie's like, you're awake. I'm knocking things off the counter because I need you to fill my bowl of food immediately. Feed me now. Feed me, Seymour. Um, anyway, so it's up to you what you want to share and what you don't want to share. I feel like I don't think anybody's like withheld information. <clears throat> was this an interrogation? Yeah. So like nobody knows who you are. No. You know, like it's a fresh slate. Oh. Well, who are you? Where did you come from? In the womb. <laughs> what do you do for a living? Oh, God. What do you do with your life? What hobbies do you have? Where do you live? I was born in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, and I grew up in Portland. 
and then I lived in St. Louis and now I live in Portland again. And I am in between careers at this point in my life. <laughs> I had one, I sold books for 10 years to schools and that was a really cool decade of my life that is now ending, which I'm actually kind of okay with. Like, It served it's, its purpose. I think, it I think 10 year runs are pretty pretty good and then you kind of start the new the new decade with something different so I'm trying to figure out what what that is so you know work a day job that's not reflective of who I am at all but yeah, yeah I'm just trying to figure it out if I want to go back to school or if I want to I don't know start a business or go into business with your sister or to do that <laughs> find a rich husband or something. I don't know. You know there's lots of options of things that one can do. Um, I'm, I have a lot of hobbies that people try to convince me to monetize, which I don't want to do because they're things that I love. I do embroidery and cross-stitch and I'm learning to make quilts. I'm just um, trying new artistic endeavors at every opportunity. And it's that's been really fun. It's been really, it's been really cool to be really bad at things. And to just be like, I'm bad at this and I'm enjoying the process of it, even though like the end result is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a lot of the pottery that I did when I took pottery. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of, I guess, my general vibe. Your vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that's my vibe. Yeah. I'm, like... I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a person. I, I think that like, I think anybody who's like, I know exactly who I am, like, isn't really being completely honest with themselves. <laughs> I mean, I think you can be really secure in yourself, but I still think there's a little like, there's always there's always a a, a shadow or a rock to turn over and and see underneath it and learn something about yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just constant reflection. <clears throat> we all hide things. We all have our secrets and things that we don't want to deal with and push it on the rug. Kind of emotions and circumstances. Mm hmm. I, and then, like, the ones that don't, I don't know. I know, like, a handful of people that are very much like, blah, this is my life. And these are all the things that are wrong with me and my life. Sure, but I think people who are doing that are also, like, just outwardly processing. Like, they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Even though they're like, here's all the stuff and here's like, you know, every minute detail of everything they find interesting or like, like, they, I don't, I don't think that's, that's true knowledge of the self, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know myself. So <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out too. I don't want to dictate that somebody else doesn't have, you know, a good idea of those things. I, I just think that's it. Like one of the universal truths is that, you know, the, the search for self-knowledge is one of those like never-ending processes that you go through and it changes as you change and as you age and as life happens to you mm -hmm. constantly morphing sure and I think that's a good way to 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 just accept the fact that that's going to happen so you don't end up like so many people where they turn 45 and then they just I'm going to sit here and be the same person until I die. I just, that's terrifying to me personally. I don't, my brain like can't comprehend that. People do it. I know it happens. <laughs> I'm witnessing ha it happen to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, me too. 
And it's just like mind boggling. And I'm like, there's so much to do. This is like the Capricorn in me. Mm-hmm. Like, There's so much to do. Like we have so much work to do and there's so many things to learn and so much to see. And like, even if the world feels like it's ending half the time, like there's still so much and so much to grow. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't, I don't like, I just don't understand how you can't give that space. <clears throat> like why, why is that not? I guess because it's so interesting to me. Like, I love to learn. Sure. I think it's it's interesting to some people, and it's probably incredibly painful to others. I think it's it's hard to conceptualize, like, the kind of upbringing that was, like, really normal up until recently. Like, mm-hmm. the kinds of absolutely traumatic childhoods people, like, were brought into the world and then traumatized. And they're like, okay, cool. Have fun working till you're 65. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, you know, I think that it that makes it really difficult to have, like, an honest, introspective life. Yeah. When you're just kind of like seeking, you know, hits of dopamine or for comfort or some sort of just normalcy. And that was like, that was a lot of people's lives for a very long time. Where it was just kind of like standard parenting, like standard upbringing for children was to just like get beat, get yelled at, be, you're not really a person. Like nobody really cared what kids thought or wanted to do or Uh for a long time. Like you were, you were a liability until you could go to work. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. They don't want to hear you talk. So I think like for that aspect of kind of the universal consciousness, like we're, we're on an upswing now and it was a long time where we were not really mm-hmm. progressing anywhere towards anything good. So I'm grateful that we live in a time where we have the, the privilege of being able to like do some navel gazing as they say. Yeah. I'm like, it's crazy. Like it's, everybody's on the same not everybody there's an exaggeration a lot of people i meet even strangers it's like i always like push my boundaries especially with strangers if i want to talk to them and then none <laughs> there's the times where i'm like i really don't want to talk please mm-hmm. stop talking but the ones that I do like I want to like I want to pick their brain I'm like are you on the same page as the rest of us? Right. And usually they are. They're usually like yeah, there's a lot changing. There's a collective happening right now. Yeah. Like it's painful but it's going to be for the better. And it's amazing to me like cuz usually it's just like you associate yourself with like-minded people but I'm like the guy at the fucking wine store isn't gonna be like-minded people. <laughs> you never know, though. And I mean, is any is any random interaction in public an accident? Like, are are you supposed to talk to the weird guy at the wine store because he's in front of you and you decided to get wine the same time that he's working, and maybe there's something there that you need to have or experience or be told or to look at i don't know mm-hmm. like i i don't you know is is anything random is there actual chance like what is what is what is the lesson from every experience that you're you're having in the world why don't you want to talk to people like what is what is it in them that makes it you know it uncomfortable or yeah there's there's you know there's lots of ways to look at things which can also if you're bored with your life a good way to just try to make your life interesting kind of like look for messages in your daily life from the universe. I mean, every experience is supposed to be a learning experience, especially like within the Hindu Vedic mm-hmm. ways. 
like nothing is by chance. It's all, everything is a lesson. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a lot of religions, I feel like, too. Like, growing up Christian, everything was supposed to be a lesson from God. Mm. You know? Not even, like, the big thing. Like, a big little thing. Like, oh, you lost something. What can we learn? <laughs> you know? That's, like, I feel like that was a lot of what the kids' church was. Like, the snacks and lesson learning. Here's a, here's a whitewashed story from the Bible about Noah's Ark. Look at all the animals. Just don't don't pay attention to all the people God killed in the flood. Yeah. Well, you saved the animals. Mm, yeah. He was a vegetarian. I suppose. Pescatarian. Yeah. His, he had fish. The fishies. <laughs> yeah. And the wine. Yeah. Huh? Vegetarian? Pescatarian. Yeah, so pescatarian. Like the, the very famous Jesus painting that they. Oh, the Last Supper? Yeah, Last Supper. You literally can see a ghost head. Really? I haven't yeah. looked at that painting very long. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. What? Really? Yeah. How do you. Well, you learn something new. You sure do. Lesson learned. <laughs> Why a goat's head? That's very demonic. I know. I thought, wasn't there something like a shepherd? When I talked to the Christian Gnostics the about that. I, <laughs> I, I am a little confused too. I'm going to have to look into this. I thought goats were like a big part of the church. Like, they shepherds? I, I'm confused. We used to sacrifice rams to God right. in the Bible times. And cows? I, I think a cow is like. Calf. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or did somebody get in trouble for sacrificing a calf? I know there was a story about the sacrificing a calf on a giant rock or something. It was pretty close to the burning bush story. I like the burning bush story. <laughs> Moses was tripping and also probably incredibly dehydrated. <laughs> I'm going to Google this Last Supper painting. We're going to look at it. I wonder what the Satanic Temple has to say about the Last Supper painting. I don't see a ram's head on the. There's like not even a lot of food. They look like they're mostly arguing. Isn't that more like it's like bread? I thought it was bread and fish and wine. Can I see? Oh, search inside the image. Oh, interesting. This is who everybody was. But yeah, I don't see a. You might have seen a, a like an artistic representation of the painting. I mean, there are a lot of different versions, my child. Okay, just not in the original Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um. I got sidetracked. You sure did. Yep. I do edit this. I try and then I get frustrated <laughs> and then I'm like, it is what it is, people. You're like, listen to my rambling <laughs> or don't. I don't. You're <laughs> in or you're out. It's yeah. raw. Well, sometimes people just need to listen to uh, two semi sane individuals babble about random things. Yeah. But I feel like, because like some of the other podcasts are like, they're just so scripted. 
And I don't really like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, well, I totally lost my train of thought. It's totally gone. I, I had a rhythm and the rhythm got bonked. Okay. Uh, well, um, also, you didn't tell everybody that, like, how long we've known each other or, like... Because I'm not entirely sure. I think we've known each other since we were 14, 15. But I don't recall. My memory is phasey. Hazy, it's hazy. You go, <laughs> you, go, you go back far enough, it's just uh, it's faded and hazy. Yeah, it's hazy. There was a lot of rough years in there, uh, and I think a lot of that kind of just oversaw it. It just kind of messes with it. I know, like, long term depression is really bad for uh, like creating and storing memories, and I think I spent a long time in that state, so there's like a big portion of my life that's kind of generally vague <laughs> i remember like fun stuff but just like the dates and times of things it feels like feels like history where you like i understand the why behind the war of 1812 but i can't tell you like the day it started you know the right dates and times and i'm bad at that kind of stuff i have general vague spatial awareness for for dates and times but i do think you know it's freshman year of high school mm -hmm. so i was definitely 15 mm -hmm. You were eventually 15. So, yeah, that's over half of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Point. Yeah. We're here. Because I, I don't, I think I finally talked to you because of Michaela. Michaela. Yeah, we were both friends with the same person who was insane. And then we cleaved to each other to be like, this person's kind of crazy. And then we became friends. Mm -hmm. And that person is hopefully living a very good life for themselves. I heard from her not that long ago. Yeah, good of her. Ariel? I don't know. I don't know what she's doing anymore. Yeah. It, it seemed like time had not kept going. Like, that is a time capsule. Mm -hmm. Just like your dad is a time capsule. That's totally a time capsule. <laughs> he figured it out. He figured his shit out and... 78 and he's like here's what we're doing from here on out yep this is forever <laughs> i like these types of women and these types of motorcycles and this type of life and then you just that's it that's it the that's end it. yeah found it found the happiness yeah i mean that's fine yeah um it's it's fun to watch somebody like i don't know just totally do exactly what they want to do with their lives you're just like oh it is possible like that's not what i would choose but like <laughs> good for you <laughs> yeah no i think that's I, <clears throat> But I think, uh, like, also a lot of people have a hard time accepting other people's happiness. Like, sometimes, like, it can be super simple. And somebody just wants to do, somebody just wants to work at Safeway for the rest of their life. And they are just over the hill excited about it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I, let's, I can't say that that happiness isn't any less or greater than somebody else's happiness. Sure. I think, uh, I think in our culture, we're very um, competitive and like, we definitely define ourselves by what we do and how much money you have. Like we we're very, you know, the, the Puritan work ethic never died in mm -hmm. America. So we, when you ask somebody like who they are as a person, like 
in in our in our culture so it's like well what do you do and i'm going to use that to kind of figure out if you're worth my time like oh you're a banker great like oh you work at a gas station like i'm out of here people do that um and i just you know i i don't think that is a normal way to think about a life no and i don't think it's a healthy way to think of others or there's a lot of rewiring that yeah. needs we to need happen. people to you know work at Safeway or wherever <laughs> like mm-hmm. and if somebody can find happiness in that that's great and like I you know I always thought that I was going to be way more career-minded than I'm turning out to be and I'm coming to terms with the, the I don't I don't want that life that I thought that I wanted mm-hmm. I want some of this the comfort that comes with ha- like having money but I don't necessarily want to like have the sort of lifestyle that it takes to to have that and then i'd rather have less stuff than have to like live my life for making money for other people yeah just to have stuff yeah and there's a lot of people that are like that where i think societally we're like oh you're a total underachiever and they're just like you know i'm doing my eight hours and then i'm going to live the life that i want to live right and i'm comfortable enough to do it totally and i i don't know i think we should celebrate that a lot more instead of this chasing this dream yeah chasing clout chasing you know status and and thinking that there's any difference between anybody that you're a better person than anyone else for for something as stupid as money like get out of here yeah no no so you also like share the wealth yeah like the inequalities out of this world yeah i have like all of the people I know are like my little niche of friends. They're all like different income levels, you know, mm-hmm. but like there's like a softness between all of it and everybody like helps in a way that they can mm-hmm. with each other. Like when we have gatherings and I'm like, why can't the whole world be this way? Like, Hey, this person makes more money than this person. And that person makes more money than that person. So, they're okay with sharing their extra income and then everybody's equal. I don't even think it's that complicated. I mean, to chase the like equality to like make, to think that the world's going to be fair is a, is a folly. It's not even worth like trying to make it be a thing, but we have some, we have a small handful of human beings that the only reason they are so obscenely wealthy is because they've extracted the value from their workers and not given the workers like their fair share. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bought the government <laughs> and all the politicians so they don't have to pay taxes. So, like, if you could just really fix that glaring, huge inequality, like, you'd see a lot more upward mobility for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, the things that we all want, like communities that are safe and bridges that aren't going to fall down and water that doesn't have lead in it and schools that have teachers that are well compensated to yeah. teach children, you know. Just the basic, the system, the civics, the, the things yeah. that you know a lot of business people decided weren't uh, profitable, so we quit, we quit funding it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's because like this happened a little bit when we were in high school, like especially with the education system, like it kind of went flop, like they lost all their funding, and like we lost classes, and like now it's happening again, mm-hmm. and like re-watching it's it's been a a targeted attack on public education for the last almost 50 years in america like this is as working as intent as it is intended to Mm -hmm. 
Um, you see a lot of that, especially with the school voucher program in America, where they want to take public funding from public schools and have quote unquote parental choice so they can take their school, their your, your funding basically will follow your student and you can use it to pay for private parochial schools or whatever, like whatever schooling you want to put your kid in. Um, and that's really just to devalue and defund public education. Which is just separating society. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think... I think the government as a monolith has decided decided a long time ago that it was it's a lot easier to win elections and you know <laughs> funnel funnel public money into your your friends businesses when you have an uneducated electorate. Mhm. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I don't know. I think it's like, it's just, it's such a sin to do to a person. The fact that a large majority, like not a large majority, but a very large percentage, um, I think it's 130 million Americans read at, at or below a sixth grade reading level. When you take away somebody's ability to read and reason and think and to analyze and synthesize the information that they're reading, like you're, you're chopping them, you're chopping their legs off at the knees and saying, here, go run a marathon, like mm -hmm. through their whole life. Because yeah. if you don't get that at a certain age, it's really difficult to ever catch up because the brain yeah. is super elastic when you're younger and it quits quits doing that as you age. So it's just it's a horrible thing to do to a human being. And you can really limit somebody through their whole life by defunding their education, letting them graduate with but while still being illiterate. Uh -huh. Like these are all things that shouldn't never happen because it just competes a it, it becomes a generational deficit at a certain point. And Why? It Because it only records for every half hour. I'm so sorry. Oh. We see a lot of those issues. I don't know. Just stop right there. Just keep going. I don't know. Where are we <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what you were saying. No. We see a lot of those issues. We see a lot of those issues just throughout society where it's a generational sort of Either, you know, lack of education, trauma, lack of information, you know, lack of being empowered to, I, I don't know, just have the things that I think most people want. And then we, as a society, go, well, oh, you, it's your fault, even though it's, we, we made a society where a lot of people aren't included in the upward mobility of everyone else. Like, <laughs> I just, it's not, a, it's not a way to make a on a way to make a community and if we're gonna pretend that we still want to live in a community then we should at least actually do the things that make strong communities and not just funnel a bunch of money to a bunch of billionaires yeah and think that that's an economy and that's a community like it's no. not that's not how that works no no <clears throat> i mean you can see that in other countries like where they are failing or thriving by based on their governmental systems yeah and like there's a lot there's so much happening where it it's not just us, like other countries are taking action because they don't want that system anymore. No, I mean, we're still trying to figure out the basic ways to fund and maintain uh, a, a country and a government. And we're completely just ignoring the loaded gun that is climate change on top of it. So like, mm -hmm. we haven't even gotten the first part. No. So to think that we're gonna get to some Star Trek utopia future, like 
my brother believes it. He's like, I know the Star Trek future will come and like, it's going to be great. And I'm just, I don't, I, I hope so. I'm going to, I'm going to think positive thoughts, you know, maybe collective, our collective consciousness us all together can dream up the Star Trek future that we all, we all, we all crave. <laughs> all want and crave and need. Um, so maybe, and you know, I, th I think there is a lot of like negative thought about the state of the world. And I don't think that focusing and ruminating on that is making anything better for anybody. No. So no. I think it's important to accept the fact that there's a lot of really awful shit going on and there's a lot of awful shit that's probably coming for all of us. But I think the way that we talk about it and process, and process it in the way that we talk about it to ourselves and with each other, like is really going to shape how we respond to it. Cause mm -hmm. I see there's so much fatalism when it comes to like the state of the world where everybody just wants to give up and die. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think if you, I think a lot of people do that as a coping mechanism, but I do think that kind of what you're surrounding yourself does become your truth. Yeah. So I think you gotta be careful about what you say to yourself in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might be shaping your own reality or at least the way that you, interact with these problems well it's magnetism like you're, you're portraying a lower vibration you're going to attract the lower vibration of life yeah. you know you want to have the higher vibration you will attract the higher vibration and like if everybody continues to do one or the other then there's like a mass withholding of what that that is of what's happening mm -hmm. and we were never given the tool we were never given the life skills from our educators and our families of how to cope in traumatic experiences because they didn't know how to cope i don't think anybody knows how to cope with actually being a physical being that lives you know bound by time and space like <laughs> yeah how do you how do you even how do you give a shit about anything when you're like, Oh, I'm going to be dead someday. Like that's a real reality. Like you're really, really alive and you're not, it's on, it's on a TV show that goes on and on for, you know, like it's, it's a real, it's a real life. Like, how do you, how do you give a shit about anything trivial when you start thinking about like the fact that you're a real person living a real mortal life? I feel like the native Americans had it down. They definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people did. And, and, and I think, I think other cultures have a, just a much more, accepting view of that whole idea anyway because death is so not it's not hidden from them like it is from us where it's just like okay well our dead die and they go to a funeral home and then they get embalmed and then that's it like mm -hmm. other cultures like they're they're doing all those things for their dead yeah so it's it's just a much more like normal part of life and here it's definitely not and we don't really process it very well no i think in in most western countries i don't mm -hmm. think we do no no it's very weird i i mean i have my own ways but like it's very much like you just shove it down yeah you have to because i mean <laughs> you can't if you i think you know people say live every day like it's your last but i think if you really lived that way you would, you would die you, <laughs> you die a lot sooner and, and it would just basically be you acting out like a manic face <laughs> That's not very far from how I act anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> Panic. So find the balance. Manical all the time. Um, yeah. 
I don't, it's, well, you got to rephrase it. It's not live your life like it could be your last. It's like live it to the fullest extent. Live it fully, compassionately. <clears throat> I think living your life with intention, I think, is probably the most important thing. Because I think it's hard to, like, maintain the levels of exuberance to, like, carpe diem <laughs> all the time. But I think, like, being intentional about the ways that you are moving in the world and giving yourself permission to, like, I'm not going to do anything today. Like, that's living with intention. Like, you can make can make everything kind of a sacred to yourself and, like, the, mm -hmm. the way that you want to live your life by doing it with intention. Yeah. Be sad with intention. Be happy with intention. Totally. <laughs> be whatever, but just, you know. Sit with it. Yeah. Be, be present in yourself. Totally. Which is hard to do. It is really hard to do. And I've only learned how to do that in the last couple of years. I'm still learning how to do that. But I, mean, I, I think it's a constant learning yeah. process for sure. <laughs> I, I definitely am like much more aware of that now though, where you just, I think like the pro like the, the thought processes were changing before I realized them. And I'm like, okay, you're catching up now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm here. Like, oh, all oh, this changed without me realizing it. Yeah, it's like being a little kid and realizing that you're really alive. You, <laughs> you know, when you're like, oh, okay. Oh, you know, like, yeah. When the, like, like three-year-olds always like pop, like they're suddenly just. Oh, I'm a human. Yeah, something something shifts in their brain development, their understanding. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, here's the, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. Right. I should not run in front of cars. You are absolutely yeah. correct. I think that happens more than once in our life, though. Yes, yeah. especially in the sort of like <clears throat> hypno hypnagogic sort of uh, society that we live in. There's like shiny lights and pretty things and TV shows and internet and things to kind of suck you and your your awareness away from your actual life mm -hmm. and into these other things all the time. Yeah, where you are, you can you can live a whole life completely sleepwalking through it. Totally, and not even Comprehend. having any self understanding or like any self awareness true intimacy between another person and yourself because I don't know if you can do that if you don't really know who you are you know yeah I don't with so as somebody with ADHD like it's really like I've had to consciously stop a lot of my technology things uh -huh. because that is what happens uh-huh I get so sucked in that's why like even if I go to somebody's house, I'm like, I can't, I need you. To, can you turn the TV off, please? Yeah. Because I will not be here. Ding. Yeah, no, it's like a drug. It's like, I remember like that one Batman movie with the Joker and he control. It was Jim Carrey. Whatever oh, the that. Jim Carrey Joker. Batman Returns or something. Yes. He controls all the TVs in the city. Yeah. And like everybody's just a zombie <clears> to the TV. <throat> That's how I imagined myself. Every time in front of a screen, like oh. I think it's that way for a lot of people, but I don't know if everybody recognizes it. No. And that 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 sort of I don't know, like hypnotizing feature of of all of it is the thing that scares me when you see like all of these toddlers with iPhones in their hands. And I don't want to be like a the boomer mentality that technology is bad, but like having your children socialized by technology, like having all these instances where in the past like you would have been talking to them and interacting with them and pointing at things and naming stuff and now they're just like 
here. on YouTube. Like, I don't. It's like a repeat of our childhood, but just in a different manner. I didn't get video games till I was 11 years old. But I mean, like, you know? it's like, <laughs> do not be heard. Do not be seen. You are not here. Like, sure. I, I mean, we didn't. My mom was a big TV fan, so we didn't really have kid TV growing up. We had morning cartoons first thing before school. I watched Power Rangers. And then after school, I could watch OPB for like an hour. But I really didn't. I was I was always kind of like doing my own thing, playing with Barbies, play, climbing trees. I spent a lot of time outside. That's um, nice. Yeah. And I even, as an adult, have a really difficult time like limiting or managing my 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 internet like the usage of technology and i think handing children a, a piece of technology and being like here you go like we don't na we don't naturally have it in ourselves to be able to like turn that stuff off yeah if adult doesn't have self-discipline why would and it's child? way different than what we grew up with like i had a game boy like that's different than you know these apps that are like made by people to be as addictive as possible and mm -hmm. then handing it to a child and being like good luck yeah i just i see a lot of you know, the Zoomers and like the little kids and they're like not happy. And I think that we need Over to be paying, we need to pay way more attention to that because it's setting up a whole generation to, I don't know, not be able to interact with their peers or like have community. Mm -hmm. And I think that we already had a difficult time with that for us. Mm -hmm. Like I can't imagine how much more difficult it is for them. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of, kind of bums me out. Yeah. No, that's, it's a really hard one to process. And it's something as a parent that I had to struggle with mm. having a daughter in this new technology age and having everybody put a screen in front of her. Mm. And I was very much against it because I had to see the repercussions of it. And it always broke my heart because we are very, very sensitive anyway. Right. All the research shows too. Like if you're like looking at social media of everybody else's happy interactions and it makes you not like yourself yeah so doing that too you know have having having the knowledge of the fact that it does that and 30 years of, of life in this world i still can't like process that stuff so i don't think how i don't know how you can take a developing brain and and ask them to like understand any of that like you're just gonna grow up thinking that all of that's normal. Like we, we were in high school when like social media became kind of a, a thing when with MySpace and stuff, it was a completely different. And it was so different. Yeah. Like that wasn't, I don't know. MySpace was so cool. We learned to code on MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> do you know your HTML? Yeah. I could do so much and like make it my own little, I could personify it like to mm -hmm. the max. And it was so cool. I learned how to do so many things. Mm -hmm. And I that was really when I was like, oh, I am really good at technology. Yeah. And I well, that's that's the big argument. So when I was working with teachers, I sold books, but there's, you know, a, a lot of ed, ed, educational technology companies that are trying to be in the same spaces. So I'm, you know, aware of them. And the argument always was, well, like, you know, technology is just it's a part of life we need to have kids like understand how to use technology yeah but they don't know how to use technology because they got rid of typing classes they mm -hmm. got rid of computer classes and then all the kids have tablets or smartphones which do not teach you how a computer works wow which we all learned during uh remote learning mm -hmm. because they couldn't use 
Google documents. They couldn't send an email. They couldn't type. They can't Google because they're not being taught any of the ways that technology can actually be really fulfilling and interesting and good for you. And you can learn so much if you know how to use it. But we, we just think that they're quote unquote digital natives and they're going to pick this stuff up, but it's not true. It's not true. Cause you can, I can see that in my teenager. You can <laughs> interact with the internet through apps that are set up to be, to have ease of use. And so you don't actually have to troubleshoot anything on your computer. You don't have to open a word document or make a, a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> These are all things that are important to know if you are going to work in like professional office jobs. Those are all things that I learned how to use and do. Yeah. Um, and that's, just, it's just not, it's not true for them. So like, even if you're like, technology is good, we're not teaching them the, the parts of technology that are going to be useful for them anyway. No, they don't, they don't have the foundations. Like my eldest is constantly like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to make a slideshow. We're supposed right. to do a presentation on like canvas and send it in by midnight. And I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. Right. Like, and you definitely were taught how to do that by your teacher and you weren't paying attention. <laughs> no, but it's just like, it's, it's just nuts because like I can, cause there's certain things. Cause she doesn't, she doesn't even understand how I can see her history on her computer. Mm. And I'm like, that's something that I know that I learned first thing when I had my own computer. I, I think that the zoomers and the boomers are going to be like two peas in the pod when it comes to like phishing scams. I'm a Nigerian prince and me like I did I think that's it's coming back like you're seeing a lot more of it and I think it's because these kids are on computers now um and they're gonna get they're gonna get totally tricked (laughs) Uh, I just won a million dollars oh no my phone has crashed yeah (laughs) and people who uh fix all technology tech fix tech stuff are gonna make a killing so (laughs) yeah they'll come back around I just I think there's there's a lot of really good things that technology can do. You see a lot of it with like coding and robotics, but I think a lot of the foundational skills are missing and a lot of people are excusing lazy parenting by saying that, you know, they need technology and they're not actually teaching their children anything about technology or internet safety or the fact that a majority safety. of the stuff that Ooh. you see on the internet is not real, right. especially when it comes to like people people's bodies that you're comparing yourself to. Mm-hmm. Um I've, you know, there's videos can be faked with, with all the mapping technology. They I have know now. It's, it's, it's important for people to know that because as an adult, I have the, the knowledge in my head and I still get tricked by stuff all the time. Oh, totally. Like you gotta, yeah, you have to fact check yourself and make sure and be like, is this a real thing? Which really sucks for somebody like me that loves to like go find paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, there was already like a huge fake following already like mm. so many things can't could have been um done with special effects back in the day and it totally there and that happened a lot well yeah now you've got the deep fake technology and a lot yeah. of like, stuff stuff really i feel like i looked away for a few years and then all of a sudden you turn around and you're like oh wow yeah it got real crazy with what is what is happening and yeah. especially with the uh the consolidation too. of you know, the internet used to be totally different. It used to be like message boards and RuneScape and just like weird GeoCity sites. And mm-hmm. now it's very like corporatized. Like here's your, here's your Google, here's your Facebook, here's your Reddit, here's mm-hmm. your whatever. Like it's, it's very like, it's not what it used to be at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's, you know, 
optimized for monetization and SEO and keyword searches. And Mm -hmm. it's very, it it doesn't feel as authentic as it used to. No. I mean, it can still be a useful tool. It absolutely can be useful too if you know how to use it correctly. And I I just. Which is hard. I think think most people don't know how to use it correctly. No. I mean, I have a hard time sometimes too. But like, I also really, really love. I have a deep, deep love for it because, like, or else I'd be at the library every day and I don't have time for that. Sure. Like, (laughs) I love to learn and I love to have it in my hand at all times. Mm -hmm. I have a whole library. You have the the whole of human knowledge in your hand if you know how to use it. And that's why I think, like, doing that is important. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching my kid. Oh, that one. That one probably knows how. My youngest probably knows how to use technology better than her sister, mm-hmm. in a better, positive way. Yeah, informative, yeah, educational way, because we've had those conversations, and I think she listened, and the other one didn't. Well, yeah, That's yeah. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> that happens. Um, Sometimes you just, you know, you can tell a kid to. You, the stove is hot, the stove is hot, the stove is hot, and there's just, there's always going to be people that have, have to touch own. it. Yeah. And I definitely consider myself one of those sorts of people where, you know, I can be like, oh, I can see how that'd be bad, but I think I can do it different, you know? I, I, I'm i a touch the stove person. I have to have the, the experience to understand it. Yeah. I mean, that can be a lot of things in life too, though. Yeah. In yeah. general. That's what I mean, just like yeah. in everything. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be different for me. No. That's your own hubris talking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I did have Amelie, oh, like, she fact-checked me a couple times in the last few months. Corbin's she... done that. My friend, my friend's son, Corbin, he'll be like, I don't think that's right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's snopes this. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think it's important to be able to admit that you're wrong to children. I think it's important that they see adults be human beings. And yeah. Especially their parents. Right. Yeah. No. I think that's super duper important. <laughs> and I think it's very humbling as adults to like accept that you are not always right and not let your ego take over because mm-hmm. I'm not, even parents that I deal with on a regular basis are still like that. I'm like, there's, because I said so. <laughs> I said so. I'm right. Just say okay and do what I said. I'm like, but you have to like listen to the. Like, even if their the child is being incorrect and... Well, yeah, even if they're wrong, you, it's still good to understand their thinking, to yes. understand where they're coming from. Otherwise, Listen. you spend a lot of your time together just, like, miscommunicating or you're kind of missing the bigger picture. Just, and understanding, like, how your kid thinks and perceives and, and processes information in the world will make you better able to teach them. Like, oh, I know how, I know when you see something like this, you think like that. So let's get ahead of that or let's explore that. Let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. He's in his toolbox. Who knows what he's trying to fix. (laughs) But I know that sound. (laughs) He said that he had too many motorcycles. Yeah, and then he looks at all his motorcycles and says, I could get rid of this one and put two more right there. (laughs) We have an ADU in the backyard. 
which is an alternate dwelling unit where you can rent out. My sister lives in it, but it was originally built as um, a gigantic, it's basically a giant storage shed with windows um, for all of my father's motorcycles. And then they put a loft in it and a kitchen in it and a bathroom in it and turned it into living spaces. But that's what it was originally designed for was to house motorcycles. Yeah, he was telling me, he's like, at one point I thought it was just like, it'd just be so cool to have so many motorcycles. And I'm like, and it was, right? And he's like, yeah, it was. <laughs> there's uh, there's two inside the house. Oh, yeah, I saw one. Yeah, in the, <laughs> the middle bedroom, yeah. the middle office that yeah. goes to the back porch. Uh, yeah, it's his Moto Guzzi back there. Yeah, I was, I was uh, showing you all the way around. I was like, and this happened in this room, and this happened in this room, and this is where we used to hang out, and oh, my gosh. We used to have bonfires in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But that office had the computer, and, like, I remember. I don't know what happened to the computer, and I'm too scared to ask because, like, I don't, there was so, like, my entire, like, teenage life was every picture, every weird email, every embarrassing live journal, like, it's all, like, on the computer, and then it's, I came home one day, and it was, I had moved away, and then I had come home, and it was gone, I was like, okay, well, I hope that's in a dump somewhere, (laughs) nobody's, like, going through all of, like, our embarrassing selfies and shit that I didn't save somewhere else. I'm sure somebody got a good kick out of it. So serious. Such serious teenagers. Mm. Mm. I don't think we're that serious. We did uh, We did the Pacific Northwest thing where we thought it was, like, super cool to be super sad. Like, super grunge, you know? Like, mm. oh, we're depressed teenagers. Like, real morose with our our beings. <laughs> how, we, how we conducted ourselves, you know? Yeah. It's that sort of, that's the... the the false idea that you have to be like fucked up or depressed to like make good art. It's sort of that kind of right. Like, well, I can't, I can't be too happy because then I can't like write well, or I can't like make good art or. Oh no, definitely. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that was that period of, I think our lives specifically. (laughs) Sometimes I like to touch base with that period because it does. It like some of my best writing comes from that place, but like that darkness. Yeah it's romantic to me mm-hmm. i really love the darkness yeah but but it's good to be able to explore the darkness without getting sucked into yeah. it and that was something that we weren't able to do as teenagers or as children no. you know everything was like oh well if i do this this has to be my entire personality like we didn't understand nuance no or that you can be multifaceted and you can have many different sides to yourself <laughs> no you're just one thing yeah you're a character of yourself yeah. Yeah. Talk about the mask. Yeah. That's, that's what we're, it's what you do a lot as you try to figure yourself High out. High school doesn't help with that either because everybody's so categorized. Like uh-huh. the preppy, the goth, the park rats. Like, and I was the like, burnout. I'm like, but I want <laughs> but I'm all of those things. I can't just pick one. Yeah. Well, you're the only person I've ever seen successfully like navigate all those different social circles. And I was like, I don't even have. The ability or the patience to like know that many people <laughs> i just can't i really wish i could but i just find that the whole idea so exhausting so exhausting i cannot, I cannot maintain uh acquaintanceships acquaintanceships however you would say it i i don't know i just really 
I think because I wasn't accepted for so long. Mm-hmm. So high school was the first place where I was like, cool. Nobody's bullying me. Yeah. Nobody's making fun of me. And like, if they are, then it's not in a mean, you know. We had an inverse popularity because I was really popular at elementary school. And then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> it really was. My mom was always like, this is my social butterfly. And I had a million friends and. And then I was just, I don't know what happened. Like one day I was like, yeah, I can't really. This is too much for me. I don't want to lose my person. <laughs> I really, I can't, I don't remember. I don't recall. I just, it's, it, things, I went to a different school and kind of like life just simmered out a little bit. And that was it. That was kind of it. But I mean, like every, you know, it's definitely a choice. Yeah. But I just, I find uh, too much, too much, too many points of social contact is really exhausting. I think it's the types of social contact, though, too. I just, I really do enjoy time by myself. And me and my dad have had this conversation a lot because mm-hmm. he's, mm-hmm. he'll tell, he'll be like, I like myself. I like to be by myself. I like to tell myself jokes. And I I think I'm funny and I think I'm interesting. And Aww. he's always, you know, he does his own thing. And, and so cute. it's very, I don't know, it's, he's very honest about that. And I've always kind of appreciated that. To be like, yeah, like there's nothing wrong with me to want to like, no, to enjoy my own company. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I think it's very important, and not a lot of people get to have that experience or explore that because it's so frightening. To they them. don't really take any time for introspection. Like you have to check in with yourself, otherwise you just feel nobody knows how to be alone, especially yeah. with technology. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm by myself. <laughs> As you pick up your phone and then get sucked into it. I well, that's an email from somebody I don't hear from very often. Do you want to talk about it on the podcast? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna take a break though because it's almost thirty minutes and I have to pee. Okay. 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 We back from break. We are back from break. Okay. Um, do you have any stories you want to share? It's a little too open-ended or too broad for me to find anything in my brain. What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Where you almost pooped your pants because you thought you were just going to die anyway. Um, I don't know. Okay, you weren't going to poop your pants. What's the scariest thing that happened to you? Like, scary how? Like, not like... I mean, you can talk about life-threatening if you want. Oh. But, um... <laughs> I was, like, I'm trying to think about, like, how, how many close calls with uh, death have I had. And I, I don't know if I've had too many. Paranormal? Well, it wasn't even scary, because I just... Like, paranormal stuff was really normal for us growing up. Yeah. My mom grew up in a really haunted old house, and... My grandparents lived there for a long time, so I spent a lot of my childhood there. It was just always normal that there were ghosts at, like, at the house. You would hear people walk up and down the stairs, and you'd hear a lot of knocking. Um, we'd find really cool stuff in the house, and then it, you'd be like, oh, look at like, you find treasure. My mom found a really cool like Zippo lighter that was engraved with like an eagle or something. Oh, and cool. She just found it out of nowhere and just had it and then uh, put it on the bedside table and the next day it was gone. So it was kind of like gifts that came and went. I, I 
Um, but then that was always like really normal. Um, but we had a ghost in our house mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's this weird, horrible story. I don't even know if it's worth recounting, but the gist of it is. I know. I just smell a motorcycle. Oh yeah. He's moving his motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the gist of it is, is we had, um, it was my mom and my brother and I, and we lived in this house and my mom let our friend, her friend stay with us and her friend, her name was Kimmy. She had a boyfriend named Steve and Steve committed suicide in our driveway. Mm. Um, and then he haunted our house. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, I would come home from school. This is probably the creepiest one is, is coming home from school. How old were you? He died when I was 12. Okay. Yeah. So, and I was the first person to see him, but at the time I was very blind and I didn't have glasses because no one knew I couldn't see anything. So I didn't realize he died. He was in his car and I was like, he's in his car with the car running. Like, that's weird. And I just went to school and then the neighbors Aww. saw it and it was a whole thing. So, but yeah, he, he haunted our house for a long time. Um, You'd get up in the middle of the night and like all the cupboards would be open in the kitchen or like all the faucets would be on. Um, you, we had these big leather couches and you could see like indentations of someone sitting down on them. Um, and my mom was just, she was just oh, so connected to that kind of stuff and she was really funny about it. So she'd clap her hands and say, get out of my house, like scream and <laughs> yell and chase stuff through the house. and you know she she's just like you just gotta talk real mean to them and they'll go away <laughs> so yeah so we had a haunted house for a while and, and grandma grew up this haunted house and the kind of stuff that i saw was i mean it's just it's interesting because i spent a lot of time thinking like you know there is nothing else like this is it that's it yeah you know very materialistic mindset like materialist mindset where the earth is all that this is all all that you can see that science can explain is all that's real right and then having the experiences where you're seeing things that are not explainable by modern science it it's interesting it it expands the way that you think about things and me and my brother talk about this sometimes we you know have conversations about you know those things happen to us things that we both saw what do you think that means about the nature of reality you know and that's kind of like the interesting conversation that we we get on every once in a while about that's kind of reassuring though to have somebody like back up your reality yeah like i don't have that I know. You're like, like I saw a UFO when they did. Nobody was with me. <laughs> <laughs> like that's really hard. I hate it. Yeah, it makes someone else do. Did he open the garage? It. No, it's open, and he's. Is he gonna be okay? It's open. It's just we don't want to close the door. <laughs> I am talking to my podcast. Um. Yeah, I guess there has been times that I have. Oh. I've been with some, I've been with my mom a few times, but I guess that doesn't really count. Because that's not really a good person to have an example. But all the ghosts I saw when I was a kid. Um, um, 
Nothing has changed. No. Um, he's a fun guy. I was just saying, like, because, like, I, you know, have weird experiences ever since I was, I can remember. But it was just me uh-huh. having the experiences. Unless my dad had them and just didn't talk about them because then it would be traumatizing. Maybe. Right? Because I definitely never talked about them to him. I mean, everyone in my family has had wild paranormal experiences. My dad's so scared of shit that he experienced in my grandparents' house that, like, he doesn't even like to talk about ghosts because they scare the crap out of him. (laughs) So, he's always just been, that's always been a thing. I don't know if something happened to him in his youth that, like, he's always just been very afraid of that. I don't know why. Why Just give him the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I want to know. I mean, that would explain a lot. Like, if something was, like, haunting him, literally. Like, a memory that's not from this world. Maybe. A paranormal memory. That's enough to, like... I mean, that's the problem with, like, like, astrologically speaking, with people that have certain aspects in their charts. Um, I can't remember it off of the top of my head, but I am one of them. But it's, like... Like, you have a hard time coping with the cult sometimes. And then you are prone to, like, um, using really unhealthy coping mechanisms to mask over that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, a lot of people start their addictions because they can't process what has happened to them sure that's not of this reality oh you think you think addiction stems from like past life stuff or from like well i mean that's being a- scared just being scared scared so hard that you turn into an addict or something yeah okay yeah like you're just like drowning yourself to numb it because you're just like i can't deal with what just happened and I I can't deal with or like a lot of people that are sensitive to the other worlds Mm -hmm. that you know a lot of people I know that are like they drink a lot yeah I mean the same can be true for people who are very empathetic Mm -hmm. you're taking on so much other people's like psychic pain that if you don't know how to protect yourself against that, like it will, it will kill you. It'll make you sick and you will get cancer and you'll die. Like you can't just keep, you gotta be careful what you let into yourself. And I think most people don't really know that how to do that yeah. or even think it's something that you can do or it's something that you is worth doing. That was definitely my whole twenties. Yeah. Learning <laughs> how to do that. Cause it's boundaries. hard. Yeah. Emotional boundaries. Yeah. For myself. And definitely having a kid, like, really made all of that quicker. Mm-hmm. Learning how to speed it up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, think that's true for a lot of people. When you you made a whole nother person, like, you're like, oh, well, I guess I got to try to figure out what the hell's going on here. Yeah. I got somebody, you gotta that, get your shit together. I got somebody asking me why every five seconds, and I don't know why, so we better go figure it out. <laughs> You definitely can be a, like a, have a little bit of Peter Pan syndrome when you don't ever have that side of a life. You know? I know a lot yeah, of Peter Pans. I do too. I live in Portland, Oregon. They're everywhere. 
<laughs> They're everywhere. It's, sure are. It's a disease. <laughs> Peter Pan disease. Well, I mean, growing up can be super boring. Like, who wants to be, who wants to grow up and file their taxes and read The New Yorker? You know, like, there's so many other things you can do. And there's many different ways to, like, have a a self-actualized adult life, I think, other than just becoming our parents. But, I mean, like, if I could become more like my father, like, you know, he's out doing exactly, he follows his bliss wherever it takes him and mm-hmm. he answers to nobody. And he just does whatever he wants. Yeah. For the most part. He does worry about what other people think about him, which is a family problem. Yeah. We're all trying to work through, but for the most part, it's, uh, you never really grew up. (laughs) No. But that was a choice, too. No. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, that, it's like a, it's conception. Like, people that it, uh, that mm, there are so many layers to that. Yeah, because I feel like I am going through that right now in my relationship. Which aspect of that? Uh, like one is one of us is growing up, and that's they're that they're all grown up, and they are like, I'm grown up. I can't be young anymore. Oh yeah. And I'm like, what? why would you limit your own fun? Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't. I don't want to be that way. When I want to be old, I'll be old. When I want to be young, I'm going to be young. Like, I'm not going to, like, that's it. No, and your brain, you are what you think you are. You really are. If you think you're old, you're going to age and age more and be old and decrepit and fall apart. Yeah, no. And if you don't, like, your your thought, like, the things that you say inside your head and the way that you view your place in the world, like, really has a tremendous impact on the way that you live and are in the world it really does the placebo effect is a real thing like it totally, totally works here's some here's some things i gave you oh you have a feeling that was with sugar pills but you actually physically felt it or you got better like it's the same thing with the way that you view everything in your life yeah well i mean i think we have a lot more power than we can even prove well, like Lon, Lon Milo Duquette says, uh, it's all in your head. You just have no idea how large your head actually is. Yeah. So. We uh, are a machine. And we have a lot of control over what happens to ourselves. And I don't think people understand that. I think that's a really hard concept to understand. It is a hard concept to understand, especially in a society that does everything in its power to limit your own power. Mm-hmm because we've talked about this before, it's really hard to sell stuff to people who are happy. Mm-hmm. And so if you can, you know, be debased by t- by advertisements and think that you're a horrible piece of shit, like, of course you can't control your reality because you need, you need all these accoutrement and many things that you should buy to like, you know, put on the outfit and the, the cosplay of the, the person that you want to be. And then maybe you can kind of like change your reality, but yeah. You're, you're basically getting <laughs> just like gaslighted by everything all the time. So like, you know, it, it's, it makes sense why we all kind of are struggling with these sorts of things, finding your power, finding your voice, thinking like that you matter, you know, the, the, even if you are dis, even if you'd like disengage from it, like you're still getting it. Like it's, it's impossible to get away from any of it. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, uh, you're always being challenged. Yeah. 
with those ideals and sure and it's not much of a challenge when you never have were given the tools to even recognize it for what it is to begin with right so that's why you have to be strong yeah well you have to get lucky and have you know somehow get the that idea in your head and then have enough time and self-awareness to let it grow so you can start creating boundaries and protecting yourself and, and knowing that you are powerful and important and that you can shape your reality like I think there's a reason why a lot of people don't get to this point until they're like in their late twenties, early thirties, like people in their, like, I know people in their fifties that are kind of going through like a spiritual journey. Like mm-hmm. it comes when it comes, but it's just really unfortunate that you, most people aren't really raised with like that sort of thought process. Like imagine all the stuff that you could do if you were given that gift and understood it mm-hmm. when you, when we were 15, like imagine like what we would be like now. True. True. I I don't think I was ready though. No. You have to you have to have the experience. You have I, to touch the stove. <laughs> Sometimes you have to touch the stove. Because like I I had people be like, You're gonna be a writer. You're gonna you have the power to do these mm-hmm. things and I and I was like, My anxiety I'm gonna be judged. I <laughs> couldn't do anything. I had so much social anxiety and like uh-huh. I couldn't like my at one point, I think when I was like 11 or 12, I told my grandma I wanted to be an interior designer and she spent like hundreds of dollars on books for me. Aww. And then I thought about it too much and I was like, I can't talk to people. Right. I can't go to into like a stranger's house and just be like, oh, I'm going to do this thing to your house. Like then those thoughts were like, I'm going to do this thing to your house and you're going to pay me for it. Yeah. You have to have, a, <laughs> I can't have that kind you of, you have to have some self-confidence to kind of do anything in the world that's yeah gonna involve other people i didn't have that i never had that until recently i'm trying to get that back i wrote a lot and i was traumatized by my own mother by her digging through my stuff and finding my journals and then correcting my spelling and punctuation mistakes in red pen so not only was she reading my own private thoughts but she was also like haha you're stupid here's how here here let me count the ways she graded my stuff sometimes, my journal entries, A minus, B plus. Oh, so weird. It is so violating. It is. Yeah. It's a breach of privacy and it's a breach of trust on both sides. Like, yeah. And then I completely stopped journaling until like the live journal days when you could be like completely anonymous and like, mm-hmm. this is for me. And that's really the best writing that I've ever done because nobody ever can see it unless I want them to. Yeah. I know you I, You had one we were friends on, but I had my own thing. Like, I uh-huh. could write whatever I wanted to, and it's all there. It's all still there. Some of it is not all of it. Some of it I got rid of. <laughs> A couple years ago, I got back into it, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> we're not rewriting history. We're just curating the high points and getting rid of some of the real shit. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't need that. You don't need to reread that. I know. Having something just for yourself, though, I think is important, too. Like, not every... I think there's... Like, the compulsion to share every part of your life is... There's a good and a bad aspect to it. Like, being open and sharing, I think, is important. But, like, having to share everything... Like, you're not... We're not supposed to do that. Like, you're allowed to have stuff that's just yours. Yeah. Thoughts that are yours and writing that's yours and art that's yours. That you don't need the validation, the external validation from other people, too. Have that be important to you. I think that's another hard aspect of society, though. Like, there's not 
people don't feel validated. Right. If you're not sharing what you're doing, like, are you even living your life? (laughs) And the answer is yes. (laughs) Somebody who, what, (laughs) the last time I posted anything on social media was years ago at this point. Yeah. I think I posted on Instagram that I was reading Dune like last year. Last summer. Which I didn't actually get through it because it was a library book and trying to read Dune from a library book is a mistake because you need to take notes and draw family trees and have a thesaurus and (laughs) you gotta have a lot of stuff. A glossary of terms. It's a it's an undertaking I wasn't prepared for. Oh. Um (laughs) but yeah, no, I mean I don't know. I don't remember what we were talking about or where we were going with that. I don't know. Um, about writing. Yeah. Self-confidence. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, and also, and I think it comes and goes, you know, depending on the structure of your mental health. Because, like, this winter, I was not who I am right now. Yeah. Like, who I am right now is who I normally am. Mm-hmm. That's the person that I should always be, hmm. but I'm not always. Right. And this winter, I was definitely like, like, questioning everything, questioning reality, questioning life, questioning business, like, and getting to a very not good space. Like, yeah, the darkness was not romantic anymore. It was consuming. Yeah, and I think when you get. I think not you, just like the the royal you, the we, all of us. Mm-hmm. I think when people get into conversations in their own head like that, it mm-hmm. eventually becomes a circular circular conversation because you you have no outside input. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I I know like the desire to be like I can figure this out, or like not even realizing that there is some larger problem that needs to like have an external point of view, kind of go through and reason and mm-hmm. <laughs> figure out like what's actually worth worrying about. But uh, yeah, getting into the it, 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 it that kind of stuff just becomes like a loop of negative whatever yeah because you're just you keep coming to the same conclusion over and over again and it'll make you feel like you're crazy yeah yeah it's awful it's absolutely awful yeah. and then it's really like then it's like how do you get out and honestly like what like, did you do to get out that's what people keep asking and i'm like i don't know <laughs> i just kept doing what i do like right you're I, like i you you lived intentionally even if you weren't you weren't fully with it. You're like, I'm going to practice the dance moves. I don't like the song. I don't like the dance. Yeah. But I'm going to do it. And eventually I'm going to like, you know, be a I backup. I have to come out of it. <laughs> for yeah. No. And I mean, there's something to be said by that. Like having a routine. Uh, yeah. And like believing in yourself because yeah. I think it's, it's, it's basically fake the, it till you make it. <laughs> that's the, that's the key. Like it's the, that was the thing like if i didn't believe in myself to get out of it then i wouldn't have even been trying yeah so i believed that there it wasn't gonna be forever but it really fucking sucked while it was happening yeah winter's rough winter's so hard especially in alaska yeah where there's no sun either uh it was actually really sunny this year but it's just not enough daylight hours for a human being (laughs) it's not even the daylight it's the crazy weather where it's like we've only gone sledding like a handful of times like it's really hard to do outdoor activities every year because there's rain and there's snowstorms and there's windstorms and like the weather has been it's been what it is but i i get the weather is weather i get what you mean um 
yeah, like a lot of like our like the Chanterelle season this year was totally frozen out. Everything got ruined. Like it's just making it harder to do the outdoor stuff yeah. when that's the thing that keeps us going through the winter. Just to go outside. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just like when yeah when you take away the outside mm-hmm. in the winter, I don't. Yeah. Uh, it just... They say there's no bad weather, just bad gear, but there is definitely bad weather. <laughs> no, there definitely is bad <laughs> you're weather. Just like, I don't even want to be out here. It looks like crap. I know. Yeah. Put also... on a space suit and go outside. That's <laughs> pretty much what it feels like you have to do. Yeah. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah. I have a space suit. <laughs> yeah. A snow jacket. You still need like a helmet, though, because like you've been need everything because you get like icicles in the eyeballs mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you need to get away from it all. Yeah. No. Um, it's been a trip and it's been like a challenge and it's not like uh my friend Anna on next week's podcast you'll hear her talk about um how Whittier has been really hard for her because it's just been like it's so hard to go hiking and like and you live in a giant building with all the people that live there could you imagine making an enemy in that little community or like I don't know, peeing your pants, like something, you know, like everybody <laughs> would know about it. Be like, oh, do you know what so and so did? I heard all, like, you know, just wildfire. Like, yeah. That's I've lived in a small town, but I know kind of the, the vibe, but that's like, that's, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like living with roommates, but not. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't know what this is i just got an etsy email mm-hmm. i don't know it's probably something i ordered for christmas and then i forgot that i ordered it what happens on etsy yeah it happens especially at christmas time when it's like i can't keep my brain straight christmas was also really depressing right i just didn't want i felt like it was like i wasn't ready for christmas mm-hmm. like i was still like mourning halloween being over because i love halloween yeah. It's not, it's very forgiving. Mm-hmm. It's not forced. Christmas was weird this year, just in general. It I just, think, like, the general vibe of it was weird. And then. Yeah. Because I think we're, like, we're getting out of this, like, materialistic society. And, like. Water is broke. So it's kind of, like, by necessity where you're just like, all right, well, just, just the things that we need. But then I, I think there's a lot of people that are kind of coming to terms with, like, I don't need all this. I'm kind of happier without it. Like maybe I can cut back on the keeping up with the Joneses. I, you know, yeah. the sort of thing that I, I feel like I need and I can kind of let some of it go and actually be present in my actual life that I'm supposed to, like all the things that I'm doing to like make money should be for this. And they're not, they're for these things. Yeah. We don't need more things. And also especially but- post COVID where everybody was super super isolated i think there was a huge monumental shift in the way people view their communities and their friendships and mm-hmm. like that all plays into it and we're like covid's still happening we're post quarantine time but like i think the ramifications of what covid did to us and like how it changed society are yet to be seen i think it's still like it's still processing still processing is going to mm-hmm. become something different but i do hope that we see I don't know, it's more togetherness, like whatever that looks like for each individual person. I think mm-hmm. there's so many people in modern society that are isolated and lonely and they feel like there's nobody who feels like them. Which is ridiculous because there's so many people that feel like that. 
but it, it's definitely enough where you look at, you know, the what they call the deaths of despair in this mm-hmm. country, which are the worst they've ever been. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that feeling is very real for a lot of people. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's really sad. It's a mental health epidemic. Sure. It is a, it is a mental health epidemic. But, the, the you know, I'm just thinking out loud, but the idea kind of comes to mind where is, is everybody's mental health really bad or is the society that we built bad for, for mental health? <laughs> like, can we change something? Because I think right now we put the onus on the individual. Be like, you're something wrong with your brain. You should fix it. And not like, Hey, there's so many people that are so fundamentally unhappy that they drink them drug and kill themselves to death, like all over the country all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something bigger here that we could fix so this doesn't affect so many people. Totally. And we don't want to have that conversation because that's literally we have to flip the entire system. Yeah, you'd have to. You have to change everything. What but we- climate change already pretty much says, like, hey, the way that we are constant growth, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to have. A, an eco- like having a having an economy that's built on a, a Ponzi scheme essentially the pyramid scheme yeah um is not it's, it's not sustainable a, yeah. over time anyway so we're already like coming up against the gun on like <laughs> this sort of idea of having to change the way that we function as none of these old ideals work anymore no we new, have to change it it's the new the age of aquarius yeah. baby <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i just i hope that you know I can't change any of the, I can't make the big changes happen because I'm just one person, but like I can be involved in my community and I can be present and, you know, build community and have mm-hmm. when shit hits the fan mutual aid and like have, you know, have what we have, like start everything. A change starts at home as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever that looks like for each person. Yeah. Yeah. I generally think it's, you know, it's a it's a mixture of all of everything of mm-hmm. each individual person having to work through their mental health and spiritual growth, and the system not making it any easier. Yeah, like it's the collective unconscious. We all mm-hmm. have to, you know, do Which, the do the work. Doing the work is benefiting humanity. <laughs> yes, definitely. But and, also, don't you know, it doesn't begin and end in your head. Like if you're not out doing things for these are positive things to share. Yeah. Like share these things, share your mental health with others because that will engage others to share their mental health. And overall, we can help each other fix each other. Can fix each other. <laughs> just being in the world as you know, you you meet people like that where you're like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I could be like that, or like, I don't know, like. When we're kids, it's you know we watch we watch our parents do stuff. It's monkey see, monkey do. But that doesn't go away when you're an adult. Like being like, that's the reason representation is so important. Like seeing people live a life that you're like, I want to live that life, and they are doing it. Like you can do that. Like mm-hmm. it's a gift to give to someone. Oh, we got the red numbers. Uh oh. Okay. What's the red numbers? It means it's gonna stop because it only does a half an hour. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back. Move forward because it's so late in the day already. It's 12.30 and it's so late in the day already. <laughs> Half the day is over. Well, I've been up since 6, so. <laughs> I know, that's what I feel like, though. Yeah. It's like, it's such a weird uh, concept now. 
um, as an adult. That's that part feels like adult thing to me. Not sleeping till five in the afternoon evening. Yeah, I haven't done that in a really long time. I don't think I've done that since I lived here at Park Rose, Burgerville days. I don't think I did that after that though. Sorry, I slept through my five p.m. alarm. <laughs> I said that the other day, and I just—it's still so funny to me. It's so funny. I had to close. I was very nervous. I was so nervous. There were so many times, like I went to work with like wet clothes because I was so scared of getting fired. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm never late for work. I was late one time, and of course, that was when I was new, and they were like, "You were late today," and I was like. Well, you're the one having a hard time hiring people, so you do what you're going to do with that and let me know what you decide is literally what I said because I was so I was so pissed about the whole situation. <laughs> you figure out what you're going to do and you tell me if I need to come to work tomorrow because I'm just not having this conversation with you. We no. were so short-staffed and I was five minutes late. Like, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, punctuality is very important to me personally. I'm always early. Yeah. I'm always afraid of being late or like, I don't know. I just, it seems like something that's incredibly rude to me to like be late to something like especially it, for another person for certain totally. situations. Like it's whatever, but I hate making people wait. Cause I hate waiting on people. Yeah. My mom was never punctual. And I just remember like a lot of stress as a child being like, we're going to be late and her not caring. Like I just never made sense to me, about, mm-hmm. you know, how, how it was. But I, yeah, I was always like that even as a little kid, like, Oh, it's I'm, you know, the 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 rule follower what's the rule we got to follow the rule okay you know and it is incredibly annoying to everyone who knows me mm. that's okay i break the rules for you that's totally true and then i'll be there to bail you out yeah <laughs> i feel out. like we, we've it had, takes all kinds yeah we've yeah. had the system for a very long time and it works yeah it works out really well. <laughs> I love breaking rules. It's my favorite. Yeah. You just go do whatever you want to do. It works out great. And I'll have a mini heart attack. And then <laughs> when you don't get in any trouble, I'll be like, oh, I overreacted. You know, I freaked out for no reason. And I, you know, I look at myself in the mirror and go, why are you like this? What are you so scared of? I do feel like I've probably like almost given you a heart attack a few times. Like I can, I know that I've stressed you out. Yeah, a lot. That happens. Like I can see it when it happens in your face. You're just like, oh my god. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard to stress out these days. I think. Yeah, you calm, simmered down. I just, yeah, I, I quit giving a shit about things that didn't matter. <laughs> You're almost there. You, you just need to like quit giving a shit about all the other stupid things that you give a shit about. Yeah, I gotta touch the stove like a hundred more times first, and then <laughs> once I have a bloody, burnt stump for a hand, I think I'll finally go. Oh, I figured it out. But I gotta do that first. Uh, what's your What's one of your favorite memories of us growing up? Mm. Or I don't know, from last year, from whenever. We're old people now, so it could be from any time. <laughs> I think. Well, probably, uh, I mean, I have a lot of really very memories. I do too. It's hard to pick one. It is. But I think I, like, the moment I knew that we were going to be friends was it in between these two memories. Uh huh. So the first Christmas, you guys had moved to this house. 
Uh-huh. And I told your dad this. I was like, we used to chat online and like we were literally down the street from each other, but we weren't like friend friends yet. Yeah, we were on Yahoo. Yeah. It's messages. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking online and we had just opened our Christmas presents and we both got the Nirvana package. Oh, with the book in it? Yeah. Eli still has it. Really? My brother. Yeah, my brother still has the, the book. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. But then I was like, I was like, oh. Yeah, we're here. This is cool. I remember the first time I stayed the night at your house when you lived in those really cool townhouses. Oh, the apartment. And we stayed up all night. And oh yeah, you were we so were... upset with me. <laughs> I was like, I like sleeping. Yeah, I've never, I've never been like the up all night, party all night. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I remember all that. Um, stay up all night, just get delirious with sleep deprivation yeah no like and then drink nine million cups of tea and burn 800 incenses and then your mom was like why are you still here like go home already and I was like, okay <laughs> fine everyone back home that was, that was, yeah that was funny yeah <laughs> yeah there's like i only just now like remembered like earlier today there was sometimes i think part of the reason i didn't i don't Think I ever wanted you to come to my house because I never wanted to be at my house. Oh, your house was way cooler than mine. And then I said cool stuff, and I lived with my dad. And you never wanted me to come over here. You're like my dad's home. I no. Well, my dad. We used to not get along. Yeah, like my whole childhood, we didn't really get along. We were really always really butted head, which is so funny now because, like, being back here, we get along so like perfectly. Like we've never, never had even a slight instance of like being mad at each other or like having an argument or like being frustrated like it's nothing like that but growing up like I needed to get the hell away from my family uh to this space you know absence makes the heart grow fonder I think was something that everybody needed sorely in yes. my family <laughs> yeah but he was just you know he was aggro about everything and real grumpy and he was just always like that and it was mostly because uh he didn't realize that drinking whiskey every night gave him the worst heartburn in his whole life and <laughs> He's like, he was talking the other day. He's like, if you had told me 20 years ago that drinking whiskey gave me heartburn, I would have told you you were stupid. And then he stopped drinking um, a while ago, like five years ago now. And he's like, I sleep like a baby every night. I never have heartburn. And I was like, that's probably why you're so happy is because you're not in physical excruciating pain yeah. every single night of your life for 30 years. Oh, my God. Oh, that's where you get it from. Yeah. Touch the stove. Yeah, touch the stove. That is a touch the stove oh, moment. I wish you could have met my mother because if you would just like understand, like I was raised by two of the most stubborn people to ever walk the face of the earth. Like I am very agreeable comparatively. Like, <laughs> How did you come? Your your neuroses make sense, but your personality doesn't. Because my parents were both showboats, life the party, walk in, hey, tell you a joke, you know, mm-hmm. completely polar opposites for me. Um, yeah, that's, I'm starting to understand now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. where it all comes from, where it all stems from. Yeah. We're both incredibly loud, boisterous <clears throat> people. Yeah. And I'm not that kind of person. No. 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 All my hobbies are old lady hobbies. That's fine. I like old lady hobbies. <laughs> Thank you. Old ladies know what's up. Yeah, we do. Domesticated. 
But fun. also, like, you're, you know, useful. Yeah, I like, I like useful skills. Like, you can use these things. You can use quilts. And I make candles. You make quilts. I can. I can food. See? Yeah. Out of the world. We're ready. I'm making pickles this summer. Pickles. Never made pickles before, but we're doing pickles. That'll be easy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Sorry, I was like thinking. I was still thinking. I was like, "What? Wow, memories." Um. There's a lot of them. There's like it's a hard so many. It's a hard thing to put on the spot. Be like, "Hey, you got a which one? Twenty years of uh, some memories up in there. Which one? Is, which one do you want to share?" There's so much absence too. Yeah, we were apart for a lot, like a big part of our friendship, which is cool. I mean, it's a testament to both of us that we can maintain a friendship being apart for a, the majority of it. I'm really good at long distance. Yeah. <laughs> sure are. <laughs> Have that one in the bag. I mean, that's just, yeah, and that's like generally true for me just in general anyway. Like I, most of my friends don't are not here. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place. Yeah. And I got really lucky that my friend ever moved here. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's like it. And everybody that we knew from when we both lived here, they all got priced out of Portland a long time ago. So they are somewhere else. And yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I would want to be friends with any of them. That's true. A lot of the, a lot of people that I was friends with are just in different stages of our life. Like they, they're in like, like the young kid phase of parenting and like you kind of have to like step away from friendships I think when you're in that part of of like your life mm-hmm. um but I'm here you know I'm not doing that part of my life so nope when everybody's ready to pop back in I'll be here you'll be ready yeah <laughs> it, takes, it takes all kinds you know that's a really hard part of life is trying to maintain relationships while you have a baby yeah, try to maintain relationships while you're trying to uh, bring up a human being that doesn't, like, is brand new and doesn't have any information in their heads, and you yeah. have to put all of it in there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's <laughs> really hard. Yeah. Ooh, do you remember that one time? There was a few times that we just gallivanted the town in the middle of the night. All the 24-hour cafe. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. We got we got picked up by a stranger, and we didn't get murdered, and they gave us a ride. Do oh. you remember that? We missed a bus leaving the fireside oh, cafe. Oh, and you had a bunch of costumes in the back. Yeah, and you're like, I think we're going to get murdered by a clown. <laughs> and I was like, mm, no, he's all right. Like, <laughs> I got a good judge of character, which I did, and I still do. I will give myself that. <laughs> I was like, I don't feel the creepy weird thing, so I think we're good. Yeah, I was terrified. We were good. It was fine. It was, it was a normal person. It was a normal human being. Yeah, probably somebody who did a lot of improv, which, I mean, normal and improv can be questionable at best, but, you know, normal enough to not kill us. Cannibalize two teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's happened a few times here. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a ride from random people and usually boys. Mm hmm. I went to house parties with people that picked me up from the side of the road. And I was a teenager. Like the fact that I'm still alive is a tip. There must be some sort of God just keeping an eye on me because I was. Yeah. My sense of self preservation at a young age was uh, questionable. Now we did gallivant amongst the town and get into lots of trouble. Always up really late. Yeah. I've seen a few sunrises with you. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and one time when we went to Winco, and then we went and actually watched the sunrise with all our snacks. Good wine. <laughs> Box wine. Booster packs. Booster packs. Booster packs. Ten little mini boxes of wine. They were so cheap back then, too. They were $2. One nine nine. Yeah, inflation's a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Or, like, there was St. Patrick's Day. Oh, and we bought the... Oh, yeah. We went downtown with Derek and somebody else. Huh? And we decided. Sarah. Was it with Sarah? Yeah. Because she bought, she bought quote unquote acid from a strange person on the side of the road right. and it was nothing. It was just foil. She yeah. paid like $30 for foil. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. I don't remember how that night ended. I think we, we ended up at the Roxy. R.I.P. She's gone. Oh, that's sad. Poor one out. Bummer. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't really... Maybe we did. Because I think maybe that was the first time I ever had been in there. Yeah, me too. Because everybody kept talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's so far away. I've never really <laughs> spent a significant amount of time in our downtown. I felt like I was always downtown. I just never... See, like, now I look back and I'm like, I see my eldest. She's my age. When uh -huh. I was just... Bye. Running amok in Portland, like a giant city. Yeah. I moved here when I was 13, and my father was an absent father, and I had a bus pass, and it was like, go away. And they're like, okay. And I just would get on buses and ride the bus route all the way from the beginning to the end. I learned the whole town that way. Yep. Which I should probably do again because it's a whole different place now. I don't know where anything is or how yeah. to get anywhere. Um, that's a good way to learn a city to get on your public transport if you are blessed enough to have public transport in your town and <laughs> go look at things. That's literally what I would do. I'd skip school and just do that. Just go take the bus to the bus stop and have them turn around and go where? Yeah. And then having Angel on the bus <laughs> and having her sit like a human in the seat next to She's day. my service dog. Okay, well, why is she not on a leash? <laughs> She has a vest on. Yeah. She still needs a leash. I remember when the, the subway by our school used to be the Dairy Queen. And those people, like, I don't, to this day, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, there's so many places where people just let her be in there. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, it's... you should see way worse now. Everybody brings their dog everywhere in Portland. Like, it's, it's out of control. It's <laughs> out of control. It's not hygienic. No, it's really not. And, like, it's never someone's, like, good dog. It's always someone's horrible dog that's a liability at best and a monster at worst and you're you're like why are you bringing why are you bringing your dog that likes to eat children's faces into the children's playground with no leash on like, you know just common sense would really save everybody a lot of time yeah yeah just a little bit but no they're they're everywhere people bring them everywhere like they're like little babies well they are little babies i've seen little dogs in little like Strollers. baby carriers like strapped mm -hmm. to a person a little puppy in it I don't think it's good for their backs. <laughs> I really don't. Probably not. They're dogs. They're not people. No, as much as we want them to be people that don't talk your, back to you. <laughs> your, your dog doesn't want to be in a baby carrier. It no. wants to play on the ground smelling things and running around. <laughs> and well, I totally wanted to get a stroller for Angel. <clears throat> you know, I see people do it with their old dogs. I think it's really cute. 
like old cats, old dogs, or like he wants to put them in a little wagon. Like he wants to see things, but he can't really get around easy. I think yeah. that's a really sweet way to do it. That's really sweet. <laughs> just Angel, I think it was mostly when she was a baby because she wanted, she would just stop walking. Uh-huh. She was so lazy. She just so, be like, so funny when they do that. Sit down. <laughs> I am done. No, I want to go home now. No, you can carry me back. <laughs> you know, it's funny until they get really big. And you're just like, no. No, you can't keep doing that. <laughs> or children that do that. <laughs> yeah. 100 pounds on my back. I was at the grocery store the other day, and I saw this guy's dad. He was very exasperated, and he had one hand filled with groceries, and the other hand, he was grabbing the back of his kid's jacket like he was a grocery bag. <laughs> and his kid's just, like, starfished out. And he's just, like, you could just tell he was over the day. And he's carrying his shit all pissed off. <laughs> this kid's like, ah! <laughs> Oh, my God. Arms and legs moving like a little starfish. And he's just, like, packing him down. The... He's just like, I can't today. He's like, do you want to stand up? And the kid would just flop on the ground. He's like, okay. And he'd pick him up again. And the kid's like, ah! <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. So oh, it was hilarious. I remember those days. Yeah, there were so many days where, like, Holly would, she can't process your emotions when you're that young. Uh-uh. And she just, like, would just snap. And But right. she would, like, throw herself back head uh-huh. first. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, we're, this is cement. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? She <laughs> spent, like, what, the first three years trying to keep them off of falling off things. and Yeah. Not dying. Yeah. They're like, that looks like an easy way to die. I'm going to go right for that. Like, moths to a flame. Yeah. I don't know how anybody gets out of that without, like, having a massive heart attack. When 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 Deborah's son, Corbin, was born, we lived together. And I don't have a baby. Like, I've never had a baby. But I would wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night and go to his room and poke him. And he'd, you know, jump. And I'd be like, okay, he's still breathing. And I'd go back to sleep. <laughs> I don't know how you do that for the rest of your life without literally losing your mind. I mean, they poison you when they're born, so like you know, if they put they put the stuff in your brain so you don't overthink it too much. But yeah, um, I think that I would be committed <laughs> easily. I think I would literally lose it, and then they'd be like, "All right, you're gonna be a Xanax mom because you can't function." So we're gonna pretend like it's 1954 again, um... and you're gonna be the wine and Xanax mom because otherwise, your girl, all your hair's gonna fall out. <laughs> you're gonna lose your mind. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt like I was losing it the first year because I couldn't do anything. I remember. I I was like, are you okay? I was not okay. Are you still there? Are you still in there? I even did the thing. Like, I took the placenta. I did all of the things. And it wasn't enough. It was just like, because, like, you're not sleeping for the first year. And you're only, Uh she wouldn't let me put her down. Yeah. I didn't touch the ground for like the first three years of my life, so I get it. But as soon as I got like baby carrier, my whole life changed. Yeah, I got so much happier. Did you like, do the baby wrap? The baby, I could, I just did whatever I had closest, mm-hmm. and like it sometimes it was the yarn, sometimes it was the wrap, sometimes it was just a fucking scarf, <laughs> like. <laughs> and then we had a we had a different one that you could do the back or the front, mm-hmm. and I had that one for until she was. Three. Until cool. she just wanted to be on her own. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She's like, later days, mom. Mm-hmm. 
I do think that there is something uh, about that, like having like your, like, I feel like I'm very independent. I think she's very independent. I think having like somebody who's like very attentive to you and you're very young, like really does like give you like the gift of self-confidence to some extent where you're like, I can, I, I know that like my emotional and physical needs are, will always be met. So I can like, I can go over here and you can spend your time thinking yeah. about other things. Cause and... I was always like, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of people with their kids now and their kids are like really like integrated into the family, which is not how we grew up. It was like, go away and go play. Like mm-hmm. now they're like, we're in the middle of everything all times. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I never had to be told to go away because I was always like, what are we doing? Okay, later. And I'd go over here and do my thing by myself. Yeah. 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 You can see that. Uh-huh. And I just, I just, I, you know, I do think that it, it gives you less like attachment or like anxiety to like have, have somebody sacrifice the four years of their life to like every single, you know, whim that you have as an infant. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, and you're, you're you don't have a stress brain, like like I I know that like I wouldn't be able to do that because my brain was programmed to be like fight or flight uh-huh. during those years. Yeah, so like independent in a different way. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's. It, I think it. I think it really like kind of dictate dictates your attachment style. Yeah, later in life, which I don't don't know what that is yet. Your attachment style? Yeah. I don't know. Well, no. I, don't... I haven't really explored all the options. I know that that's like a whole new way of kind of talking about um, like interpersonal relationships and stuff. But there's definitely like, you know, the anxious attachment, like people who have like abandonment issues. And I think a lot of that's really cemented in a uh, really young age. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, as I get older, like the more, the more I'm kind of processing it kind of seems like so much of the work that you have to do is just kind of like processing your childhood it is <laughs> even if you have a really good childhood i still like if, if it's everything's leave it to beaver and everything's ideal like there's still gonna be stuff that comes up that you're gonna have to figure out yeah. as you get older or you're gonna i don't know you're gonna stagnate yeah and that's a choice you have to heal or don't be healed you have to want to heal. You have to want to have the change. You want to, you have to want to be a better person, to be on a higher vibration. Yeah. And some people don't want to be that. I, some people don't know it's possible. True. I think. They could be so deep in the darkness that it just isn't even a glimmer. Yeah. There's so many people that are just completely disenfranchised from what is possible. Disassociated. And we have to also be like hey that we're in a position that we're kind of privileged where we even have the time to think about this sort of stuff because not everybody does a lot of people are literally in fight or flight survival mode at all times and so you don't have the luxury of thinking like you know you want to be on a higher vibration because you have to figure out like how to feed your family yeah and like that's not always something that's gonna they're not always gonna get food you know so which is unfortunate that's it's i think everybody should be able to have their basic needs met so you can all self-actualize yes so we can raise the bar as a society yeah we can all find our contentment somewhere Mm -hmm. life skills foundational needs like 
foundation of having a life in a society. Like it shouldn't, the way that it is in the U.S. shouldn't, it shouldn't be the way that it is. Like there's so many other countries where I'm just like, and especially like living in Northern Ireland before moving here and seeing like, especially as a teenager, like, oh, a society that can actually, (laughs) I mean, you know, there's people dying in different ways and getting beaten Mm -hmm. to death, (laughs) but the governmental system, like free healthcare Mm -hmm. and we're going to do all the things that are good for the environment because we have farmers that we need to take care of. So we're going to compost and we're going to give them our compost and we're going to recycle. And the U S wasn't like, that wasn't even a thought at that point. And like free housing for single moms and free housing for anybody that's, you know, you just get up on a list and then you get a home. Right. Here's your Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you need all of the, you need the base of the pyramid so you can get to like, self-actualization which some people think is the whole point that we even exist is you know this whole self-realization and you know trying to connect to the universal consciousness and like you kind of need everybody's everybody's universal consciousness to 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 be to be actualized and to be you know Mm -hmm. at a higher vibration for you know enlightenment yeah i don't know if that's necessarily true but i know that there is some belief it's somewhere it's i think it's little if you take a little bit of every philosophy mm-hmm. and belief i think all of it combined you could really work something out that actually makes sense yeah i think there's many layers to this that or there it's just all different doorways to the same thing in the end and if it's not bastardized or corrupted by people trying to get power or money from others like the the core of a lot of belief systems is is a lot of the same sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Some are just a little bit more whimsical about it than others. So pick your poison. Pick your <laughs> pick your pick of the way you want to live and have a good time with it. <laughs> just I don't know. I think whatever helps you live authentically is going to be the thing that helps you have a life that's worth being present for. Yeah, I think it's you know. I think that's a hard that's a hard thing to find sometimes. It is. If you don't have your needs met, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that makes sense to me. Drink your water. I drank all of the liquids. I need more liquids. Because mm. I usually have several drinks in front of me. Or like a <clears throat> carafe of tea. Because I'll just keep drinking liquid while we're talking but it's one o'clock so you can do anything you want to do we're gonna wrap up <laughs> the world is your oyster yeah i guess can be i like oysters <laughs> <laughs> the world's my treasure hunt i'm going to go find the treasure in it <laughs> it's like seafood tongue hmm. it's like eating a tongue you were eating tongue? No. No, like ling- lingua? Mm-mm. A cat tongue? I just, that's what I imagined it to be like. She just reminds me of a giant loogie, a sea loogie. It just tastes like ocean. I love the ocean so much that I love the taste of the ocean in my mouth. The sea tongue. <laughs> it's like making out with the ocean. 
like the forest better, I think. I'm more <laughs> I'll eat the mushrooms of the forest and the things I forage from the forest. I mean, I do have a lot of forest in my medicine cabinet. Like most of the tinctures are from the forest. Yeah. So I like the I sea. I don't really want to eat it though. That's not for me. Mm, I'm already salt. I'm a salty bitch enough. <laughs> you don't need more salt. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for doing this with me. You're welcome. I don't know how interesting it'll be for your listeners, but hopefully we. Um, that's how every episode is, though. Okay. Like, and also don't let your ego talk for you. No, just I. You are interesting. Be fucking. This is going to be so interesting. Okay. It's interesting. It is interesting. You are interesting. Say it with me. I am interesting. Oh, are we doing some self acquisition? <laughs> I am interesting. I am interesting. I am powerful. I am a human being. I am alive. You are beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. I do. Thank you. I hope all your friends from Germany think this is fun. Do <laughs> <laughs> me yet. <laughs> oh, oh, nine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm failing. I've just lost all of those listeners. Oh. They're gone now. Well, that's... That's that's my my country of origin. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Stay bright, little starlights. Bye.